Welcome to episode 7 of the Invite Along podcast. Hello world, this is Juan. And this is Quentin. We're an international couple traveling around the world for love, work, and the pursuit of wonder. Through this podcast, we invite you to come along with us as we discover places near and far while treading lightly and not breaking the bank. This is our last week in Thailand, alas, but we're going out with a bang by visiting two jewels of the country, the ancient capital cities of Sakatai and Ayutthaya. For a little bit of history, Sakatai was the capital of the Sakatai kingdom, which ruled for a short but brilliant a hundred and some years, from 1238 to 1438, over the area of what would later become northern Thailand and southern Myanmar. That kingdom fell to the might of their neighbor, which was Ayutthaya. The Ayutthaya kingdom controlled most of southern Siam until the Burmese invasion in 1767. It is considered the direct ancestor of modern Thailand and brought forward a golden age of Siamese rule. While the ancient cities have fallen, the mighty ruins of these once powerful civilizations are still standing. So we thought they deserved a bit of a stop on our way out. This time, our itinerary was all laid out for us, because our final flight out of Thailand was leaving from Bangkok, and luckily, Chiang Mai, where we were staying, Sukhothai, Ayutthaya, and Bangkok are almost in a straight line north to south. So as a result, on Sunday, June 26, we took a bus to Sukhothai, so from Chiang Mai to Sukhothai, after a quick taxi trip to the Chiang Mai bus terminal. Five and a half hours later, the bus dropped us off right next to the Sukhothai Historical Park, a 10 minutes walk from our hotel. On Tuesday, June 28th, we went to the same drop-off point to board a bus to Ayutthaya, which left us on the random highway exit five hours later, and we were still 20 minutes away from the actual city, but that's okay, we made it to our hotel eventually. The final leg of the journey was a bit more protracted. On Thursday, June 30th, we took the train from the Ayutthaya train station to the Bank Suez station in Bangkok. From there, we took the MRT line to the Pechaburi station, where we grabbed the airport rail link line, which drops us off near the airport for one last taxi drive. It sounds very complicated, but Bangkok's public transportation is top-notch, and despite all the changes and all the different lines, we navigated without any issues and we landed near our hotel in less than an hour. It almost took as long to taxi the last two kilometers than for us to cross the entire city of Bangkok. And that's how we made it to a final stop in Thailand before leaving for Vietnam. Now it's time for takeoff, where we discuss the costs and what was prepared in advance. At this point, we're pretty much booking everything just a couple of days in advance. So we booked the bus from Chiang Mai to Sakatai two days prior to leaving. And there's basically one company that offers this route called Sakatai Wind Tour for a total price of 780 baht, which is $21. From there, our Sukhothai Hotel was called Sawadi Sukhothai Resort and was also booked two days in advance for a price of about $33 a night. That's more on the pricey side of accommodation in Thailand as far as we're concerned. Before that price, we got a very nice bungalow, a pool, and breakfast was included. We stayed two nights there, and the resort was so helpful, they helped to book our tickets to Ayutthaya for us with the same company, Wintour. 
and that costs 900 baht total or $25. Yeah, I would just briefly point out that these tickets to Ayutthaya did not appear online. We were able to book Chiang Mai to Sukhothai by ourselves, but we really needed the help of the resort on that one, so we're really grateful to them. From there, once in Ayutthaya, the hotel we booked maybe four days prior, so where we were still in Chiang Mai, and it cost us $25 for one night. We bought our train tickets the day of because we were passing by the train station, and we paid 300 Thai baht for both. But apparently there are much cheaper trains available. We took the express option, and we just didn't know what were the different options available to us. But for that price, we did get some dinner on board, like a plane, which turned out pretty amazing because we had no dinner plans. Yeah, they gave us like a, a plastic bag filled of food, the type you'd have in an airplane. You know, you kind of open the little aluminium thing. Uh, we ended up eating it later at a hotel, but it was, uh, it was very tasty, actually. It was a bold choice for public transport, and no one was eating the food provided. So we did wait till our hotel to open our train food, which was mackerel on mackerel on rice. It was actually pretty delicious. Now it's time for in-flight entertainment, where we tell you all about what we did this week. In short, we saw a lot of temples. The end. No, let's get more in detail. In Sakutai, we arrived Sunday night, just as the sun was setting. And we rented bikes quickly from our hotel to check out the night market. We actually didn't know there was a night market, and the hotel told us. The night market was set inside the historical park, and you didn't have to pay the park fee to access the night market. It was small, but actually a very lovely vibe. To paint a bit of a picture for you for this night market, there were lanterns along a street, and all the vendors were along this pond, so it was really scenic, and you could see some of the old temples being lit up at night. So it was a really, really lovely vibe. So then on Monday, which was hot as hell, this is a recurring theme. I don't know why (laughs) Quentin and I keep on doing this to ourselves, where we're like, hmm, a casual 36 degrees, let's bike. Yeah, we keep on saying that we should really try to do the touristy stuff more like early in the morning and avoid the hottest hours of the day. And despite that, we always find ourselves somewhere outdoors with zero shade at like 2 p.m. Right. So first thing we do is we get our bikes And then we hit up the museum just to get a little bit of a context about where we are and the history and the architecture and the art that we should be looking out for around the historical park. Alas, I thought that museums had AC. This one did not. So it was 300 baht for two entrance tickets to the museum, which is actually an additional fee to the entrance to the historical park. And you can walk around the museum and learn a bit more about what you're about to see in this park. Overall, I thought it was pretty good, except for the heat. And the museum seemed a little bit outdated, like all of the signage was quite faded, maybe from when that museum was actually first launched, when the site was listed as a UNESCO site. So it's it's been a while, it's a bit outdated, but overall pretty good overview of what to expect. Then we paid 200 baht total to access the historical park area. As a reminder, the day before, it was open to the public at night for the night market. But if you want to see the park during the day, there is a fee, even if you're biking. And that's a bit strange to us because the park is actually really large and the museum was quite small in comparison, but was more expensive per person. Now, the historical park was incredible. 
Very, very beautiful, very impressive, incredibly easy to navigate by bike. We did also see other folks and families navigate by golf carts, and that seemed quite fun as well. We didn't know that was an option, so we just biked. Once you enter the historical park, there's very clearly defined maps and paths, and you can just bike from temple to temple. So first temple that we saw was Wat Mahata, which had many columns of the ordination hall that was left, and beautiful statues of the Buddha. Yeah, to add for the context, the ordination hall is usually one of the main buildings in Buddhist temples. As the name indicates, this is where monks congregate, where new monks are being ordained, and is usually really like this sort of central piece. And here you could see that it was once clearly like this amazing space. Uh, unfortunately, it's been obviously destroyed, but the, the columns are still there. And the defining feature of statues from this period is the Buddha has a walking stance, and the face of the Buddha is known to be very serene. So that's how you know that it's a piece of work from the Sukhothai period. Then we went to Wat Sasing, which is on an island in a pond. It was very, very tranquil and peaceful. Then Wat Si Sawai, which had three Khmer-style prangs, or chetis, and then Wat Trapang Nuan. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, temples all together in the historical park, so we, we're not giving you the, the whole detail of them. It's really more of a general vibe around the park, I would say. One thing that we really liked was uh, a thing by Wat Trapang Nuan. There are actually birds. Uh, so if you go towards the temple, you can see that some of the trees near the temple are just covered in birds. And there's a little plaque explaining that since COVID, since 2020, uh, migratory birds such as egrets and there's egrets, herons and cormorants have decided to use that particular space as a place to nest. And so when you bike through the area, you can actually see all those birds sort of assembled there. And it gives it a very otherworldly feeling, I would say. It really felt like a spiritual place, right? Why did these beautiful creatures choose to congregate here? I don't know, but it felt really magical. Uh, the other temple that we haven't mentioned yet is Wat Si Chum, and that's because it is separate from the rest of the historical park. So Wat Si Chum is known because it has this massive Buddha statue, uh, in, and is absolutely gigantic in a particular position, which is where the Buddha is sitting in lotus and has one hand touching the ground. And this position is known as the Buddha essentially casting away a demon known as Mara and asking the goddess of the earth to witness the fact that he has beaten that demon and that he's ready, he has achieved enlightenment. Uh, and it is an absolutely beautiful temple. It is again a separate entry fee, uh, 200 baht total to get there. Uh, and on the way, as we're biking, we actually stumbled upon another ancient temple with a beautiful chedi. We also found a herd of cows that were just uh, having a good time. And one aspect that I did not mention about our trip to Sukhothai is that we also had the Sukhothai noodles. Each region of Thailand pretty much has its own way of cooking noodles, and this one was, as always, amazing, no exception to the rule. This was a much-needed fuel stop because we were so dehydrated after a hot day. You have to have a bowl of noodles. And then we kept on drinking different slushies and coconut waters just to stay alive while biking in this heat. Then Tuesday, we took our bus to Ayutthaya. It was very comfortable. 
And I had a surprise pit stop for lunch, which was also included in the price of our bus ticket. Again, we have no idea. We just get on bus and then we hope we're supposed to get off where we hope to get off. But this one had this bonus, which is great. But then the downfall is that we got dropped off randomly on the side of a highway somewhere near the city of Ayutthaya, but it was not in the city center. It was not by the train station, and we didn't know what was going on. We were able to finally get a taxi and end up checking in at the hotel. After we dropped off all of our stuff, we walked to the night market in Ayutthaya and tried boat noodles, which is a very, very rich local noodle that's very famous in the Ayutthaya region. Again, not vegetarian friendly because it is just a mix of all sorts of meats, but super tasty. Then on Wednesday, we hopped on some rented bikes again, this time through our hotel as well. It was hot as hell. Again, surprise, surprise. And then we discovered that the ferry or highway bridge is the only way to reach the east part of town where we needed to buy our day of train tickets. And some temples are also located on this part of town. So we ended up biking on the highway, looking for Wat Mahayong, which is part of a combo ticket to visit some of the most famous Wats in Ayutthaya. And then instead of actually finding the Wat, we stumbled upon the meditation center next to the Wat, where we stopped for a coffee and refuel break, ran into some really nice nuns who took pity on us and gave us some free water because we looked like we were dying, which we were, and biked around that lovely area. Eventually, we did find the Wat. And then lastly, we went to another Wat close by that's not part of the combo ticket called Wat Ye Chai Maikon which is known for their reclining Buddha, and it was actually very amazing to go to that Wat. That was my favorite Wat of the day. So in the afternoon, we did make our way to the western part of the city, uh, which is where the main Ayutthaya temple complex is, and where most of the temples are part of this combo ticket were. So we decided to, you know, stay in this area and see as many as we could. We started with Wat Mahatat. That's not a mistake. There is a Wat Mahatat in Ayutthaya and a Wat Mahatat in Sukhothai. They are different. Uh, we followed with Wat Ratchaburana and Wat Prasisampet. They're all very nice. I would be honest, at this point, I was a bit templed out. <laughs> we had seen a lot of temples in just a few days. And honestly, after the ones we've seen in Sukhothai, these were... Impressive as well, but not necessarily more, so much more incredible. The other reason why it made it a bit hard to appreciate the temples is that it was genuinely really, it felt very dangerous to bike. Where Sukhothai has all of its temples, except for Wasichum, uh, in one sort of park that you can easily just bike through because there's just those little bike lanes that are clearly defined. Uh, and is separated from the traffic of the city. In Ayutthaya, essentially the temples are dotted around the city and you kind of have to go with the traffic of the day, uh, which at the time we were traveling in the city center was absolutely egregious. It was the end of uh, class, so a lot of students were out of school on their scooters, on their motorbikes. There were a lot of street vendors trying to sell food to those kids. Uh, it was a bit of chaos and it was very hot and hundreds and hundreds of motorbikes all over the place made it for a very unsafe environment for us to uh, bike through. And we didn't have time to go to Wat Chai Wat Taranam, which is one of the most well-known, partly because it is the set for a very, very successful Thai TV show. It's one of those 
historical romance, time travel, stories in Thai, they use the term lakorn to describe this kind of outrageous love stories in the past, uh, and they're very, very popular on TV. This one is called Love Destiny, and there are a lot of people that actually go to the temple to dress up in the local clothes, in traditional clothes, to take pictures. But anyway, this was essentially the end of our day. After this, we went back to the hotel, we got dropped off at the train station by the tuk-tuk, we take, as I explained earlier, the MRT and the ARL in Bangkok, and that went very smoothly, and we got to our hotel next to the airport. Oof. And now for some turbulence, what went wrong this week? Well, if you could not tell from what Quentin just explained, <laughs> biking in Ayutthaya was not the best thing. We do not recommend biking in Ayutthaya. We've read many bloggers online and travel guides have said, oh, to see sites in Ayutthaya, you can walk, you can bike, or you can rent tuk-tuks for the day to take you around. I think they recommended biking because it is an option, but they've never tried it themselves. After we've tried, we can sincerely tell you that don't do it. It is not a good experience. In addition to being extremely hot and lacking in infrastructure to bike, I actually got a flat tire at Wat Ye Che Mekon. This flat tire is not a regular flat tire, so we actually had to take a tuk-tuk back to the hotel across the highway with two of our bikes just to fix the issue or to get a new bike. I ended up having to get a new bike because even when we added more air to my front tire, after two minutes of riding on it, it deflated again. And I just didn't want that to happen as I'm biking around pretty unsafe conditions. And then our hotel found where the leak had happened. And they said that there is a scam that is running around town where tuk-tuk drivers will take syringes and puncture the side of bike tires. That way you are forced to take the tuk-tuk. Indeed, we did have to take a tuk-tuk home because the puncture is not on the edge of the tire where you would hit the road, it's on the side of the tire. So they found this puncture and they speculate it might have been a part of the tuk-tuk scam. We did get new bikes, or I got a new bike, and they told me to park far away from tuk-tuks when we go visit the different lots. So that's what we did in the afternoon. But overall, it was just not pleasant to bike. Yeah, I mean, that's also my main turbulence, if I'm being honest. The biking in Ayutthaya has just been, it was just incredibly stressful. Like, it was really hard to actually enjoy the temples for what they were. The other turbulences I would mention uh, is the Sukhothai Museum that Juan already explained. I felt it was a bit outdated, not extremely clear. Some of the artifacts are very interesting, but a lot of them do not add that much context. And I thought it was really quite expensive for what it was. And my third little gripe uh, is the sort of train station situation that Juan already mentioned, is that if you are in the main part of Ayutthaya, which is the western part, and you want to reach the train station, there's actually no easy way to reach it. You either have to take a ferry, which you have to pay for, and obviously you have to you know, find the right pier and the ferry has to be available, or you have to walk through only one single bridge, even though, you know, this is, again, the connection with the rest of the, with the train station, with the highway, there's only one bridge connecting Ayutthaya to the rest of the, the infrastructure. 
And that bridge is entirely meant for cars and motorbikes. It is not meant for bicyclists and it's not meant for pedestrians. So I felt a bit like the city didn't want me there. That's essentially the vibe I got. I When we travel to places, I generally get a I generally get an idea as to whether or not that place and me are going to jive. And Ayutthaya so far is the only place in Thailand where I really felt I was not meant to be there. Uh, that's not to say it's not a. It's not to say it's a bad place. It just means it's not a place for me. I think, or at least I speculate, this is because Ayutthaya had four hundred plus years of history and infrastructure that was built primarily around boats. And then now modern day society has created its own transportation system with cars, scooters, and trains that had to fit on top of these historical sites. So the city planning was probably limited. They couldn't really do it in a way that makes sense for pedestrians. Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. It's very possible that it was all boat-based. But say, for example, in Bangkok, along the river, there are a lot of different ferry companies and you can kind of hop on and off ferries relatively easily. They're a bit late and etc. But you can actually cross a fair amount of Bangkok quite easily. Uh, I didn't see that in Ayutthaya. Uh, now that you mention it, I think like a boat that would have brought us to different temples or different areas would have been very, very useful. You know, that's how they got around in Love Destiny. Oh, well, there you go. I haven't read the book, so I don't know how they did it. Yeah, definitely. It was all boats. <laughs> right. But with that being said, it's not all doom and gloom because now we're flying high. So what were the highlights of this week? So for me, uh, if I have to choose one, I would say the biking around Sukhothai in general. Uh, I mentioned that the biking Ayutthaya was very not enjoyable, but biking around Sukhothai was lovely. Even though there's a bit of traffic, you can avoid most of it easily. And we had a great time discovering sort of hidden paths and hidden areas with our bikes. Uh, and otherwise, of course, the historical park was lovely, but I particularly liked Wat Sa Si, which, as we said earlier, is a temple set on an island uh, with a sort of pond around it. And it felt very tranquil, very separated from the rest. So that was my favorite temple. How about you, love? Ditto. I would also pick biking around the Sakatai Historical Park. I want to add that for people who are visiting Thailand and want to try out riding motorbikes, this would be a good place to learn how to do it because it's flat, the traffic is not bad at all, the roads are very wide. So even though we didn't do it here, I would say this is one of the best places that I've seen. Another thing that I loved was actually reading Love Destiny, which has been translated to English. I have to warn you, if you are triggered by fat shaming, this is not a book for you. I do not agree with the way that the author wrote about body image in general, which is actually a part of the plot. But I do love how she talked about daily life in the Ayutthaya period of a noble family. And I feel like I learned a lot about Thai culture and Thai history through the book. And it was great just to see the different landmarks and imagine them in my mind during a bustling time when Ayutthaya was a capital. And I just really enjoyed reading the book and learning a little bit more deeply about Thai culture that way, but also through a fun historical romance platform. Now, this is a show that has also been posted on YouTube, so I definitely plan to watch it. I don't think it's too long, and I'm going to make Quentin watch it with me. 
I have no choice in the matter. No, absolutely not. You have no choice. <laughs> Another thing I liked was actually seeing the walking Buddhas. You know, this is an imagery that was very unusual for me. Again, I'm jumping back to Sukhothai, but I've never seen such beautiful, serene, and almost whimsical Buddha iconography. So that was really fun. Uh, it's a very dynamic pose. So that was a really nice change of pace. I agree with you. And now it's time for our brand new segment, questions for our listeners. For the first time, we have some questions to answer. This week, Asa asks us, how do we manage back-to-back traveling? Uh, how do we not tire of just being constantly traveling? Juan, can you give us some insights? Sure. First preface, we do get tired from back-to-back traveling, of course. But the key is to not see too much, to not cram your days back-to-back-to-back-to-back with different sites. Schedule in quiet days where we just do some admin, like this podcast, or catch up on emails at least part of the day, and maybe a day or two of rest and sleeping in. This is also part of our decision to stay multiple days in one location, for example, seven days in Chiang Mai. That way we have some room for rest days. We also try to travel with the intention of going back someday, so it is not necessary for us to see every single thing possible or taste every single thing possible in a location. That way I don't get burnt out, and hopefully, Quentin, you're still hanging in there too. Yeah, yeah, no, but for me, it's very important. I think after a couple of days of back-to-back travel, we kind of look at each other going, okay, we are going to need a do-nothing day in the next two, three days so we can really recuperate and kind of center ourselves, uh, especially if the travel, you know, comes with a lack of sleep or, or uh, bad sleep. Uh, it's very important to consciously to make the choice and say, okay, tomorrow I'm actually not going to go see a lot of sites. I'm not going to go into a museum for three hours. I'm maybe just maybe going to stroll around the main market and that's it. Then I stay at a hotel or I stay at a cafe and I just take the time to read, do some emails, just let the time go. Sometimes, we'll talk about this in an upcoming episode, but sometimes it's in these gaps of travel or leisure slowdown moments that you actually encounter some travel magic. And this happened to us recently in Vietnam, which we will cover in an upcoming episode. Yeah, definitely. It's in those moments that you are the most open to talking with other people and experiencing stuff that you were not expecting. And honestly, I think it's possible that by the end of this grand trip, these might actually be the moments we remember the most fondly. Well, thank you so much for that question. And that's all of us for this week. Uh, next week, we are landing in the hustle and bustle of Hanoi in Vietnam. Very exciting. In the meantime, we would love it if you would follow us on Instagram at Invited Along Podcast. You can also reach us by email at invitealong at gmail.com. So long for now. Bye-bye.